to the church, or visiting the church. My name is Hannibal, one of, one of the pastors here, and I want to welcome you all again to Witten Bible Church. Today, we are taking a pause from our series in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, and we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, as you came in, you came with a booklet like this, so they gave you, picked up a booklet like this, right? If you have it, can you please show it to me really quick? All right. I'm, I'm going to need you to do me a favor. Leave it alone. <laughs> Don't play with it. Just leave it alone. And then I'm going to walk you through that, booklet, uh, through that booklet when the time is right. All right, so do me a favor. Look at the person next to you and say, leave it alone. <laughs> All right, let's come back over here. Uh, if you have been part of the church for a while, you, you probably remember that there has been, every now and then, we call the church to give above and beyond for specific purposes. We have done that a, couple, a few times during our missions fest. Uh, we have called the church to give above and beyond when there are specific needs in the community or in the world. Like when we call the church uh, to give above and beyond for uh, when the, the uh, Ukraine war started and all of those things. Um, but also we have done in our history uh, something that we have called Trust Give Sunday, which we haven't done one of those in a long time. And, and, and every time we've done it is because we, we want to invite the church and we, uh, to give for very specific things, right? And, and I think, uh, so that's basically what we're doing today, but, um, but I think that this one is a little bit different. So first of all, if you are new to the church and now you're saying, oh my goodness, first Sunday here, they're already asking for money. Listen, relax. Stick around. Let's see what the Lord says. But I do think that today is a, is a unique uh, Sunday in a personal way, I think, because I want us to take the time to celebrate a little bit, to remember a little bit who the Lord has made us to be and to see if we can get a confirmation from the Lord to what he's calling us to become. So I want us to take the time to remember and celebrate who the Lord has already made us to be as a church, and then think a little bit about what the Lord may be calling us to become. Now, to do this, I want to walk you through a church in the book of Acts that I find super interesting. interesting. Uh, such an amazing church that as I'm reading it, I, I couldn't help but to think that that church is very similar to who the Lord made us to be. So I've been prepping for a, a, a preaching series next year. We're going to, by God, you know, God willing, we're going to do a preaching in the gospel of, in the book of Acts. And as I'm reading this, I, 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 went to, I, I went to Acts chapter 11, and I found this church, the church of Antioch, that I want to invite you to see that whatever the Lord gave them is very similar to what the Lord has been giving us now for 94 years. Um, so let me make a, a disclaimer. I don't think that there are better churches than other churches. I mean, that could be the case, but that's not usually how I think. I, I think that there are, all churches play a role, all churches are important, all churches are significant, but there are some churches that are unique. Not better, unique. Can you say unique? <laughs> I think that the church of Antioch was like that. And as I look at that church and I compare it to our church, I think that the Lord has made us unique in a very good way. Let me give you some of the features what made that church so unique. To begin with, 
This is the first church in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, in which Christians are called Christians by non-Christians. Isn't that crazy? Look at what happens in chapter 11, verse 26. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. You know why that, that text is so crazy? Because you and I are called Christians today, not because some Christians thought that that would be a great title for us, but because non-Christians saw this community of faith so beautiful, so amazing, so purposefully, uh, purposeful, that the only thing they could think about is they look like Jesus. They're like little Jesuses. They talk like Jesus, move like Jesus, behave like Jesus, even smell like Jesus. You are called a Christian today because of the testimony of the church in Antioch. Now, I want to show you the similarities between what the Lord made of them and what the Lord has made of us today. Because there's much to celebrate. Context. Acts chapter 11 shows that the church is being persecuted. A part of, the, part of the reason why the church is being persecuted is because they are growing gradually. And they're influencing different parts of society and different parts of the world. And people started to get uncomfortable to the point that people started to perceive that this church was going to be a threat, quote-unquote, a threat to society. What is interesting about what's happening there is that these Christians are only evangelizing Jews. They're only evangelizing, to a certain degree, people that look like them and thought like them. But there comes the gospel, the transforming, unifying power of the gospel. And the Lord uses the church of Antioch to be the first church to break all cultural, social, and ethnic barriers. The first church in the New Testament. This is the first church in the New Testament that became a church for the church. I know, I'm sorry, a church for the nations. Look at what it says in verse 11. Uh, in verse 20, chapter 11. But there were some of the men who, on coming to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists also preaching the Lord Jesus what is interesting about that group Hellenist is that they were kind of a biracial people or bicultural people. It was people that one parent was Jew and the other one was gentle, uh, Gentile. And what happened there is that this group became the, the, the most effective evangelist in the first century. Actually, in the pages of the New Testament, we see that they became the most effective evangelist in the entire New Testament. The Hellenists had the ab ability to understand different worlds, to adjust to different worlds, to reach different people, to become all things to all people in order to save some, the Hellenists. And that is started because of the church of Antioch. What is interesting about that church is that they were so committed to be a church for the nations, for all kinds of people, that they even structured their leadership in that way. Look at the leadership of the church in chapter 13, verse 1. It says that the church of Antioch had prophets and teachers, and Barnabas was a Jew by birth. Simeon was a black African. Lucius, because he was from Cyrene, he was North African. That means that he was not black, but dark-skinned. You got uh, Manean, which, uh, which was a royal upper class. 
and you got Saul, which he was the academic or the scholar type. And this is the first church where you see this beautiful, uh, super uh, multi-ethnic, multi-color, multi-shape, multi-social class community. The Church of Antioch was the first multi-ethnic church. A church for the nations. Now, I want to invite you to stay one Sunday through all of our three services. And I guarantee you that you will bump into someone that looks nothing like you. Because that's who the Lord has made us to be. By the grace of God and God alone, that's who the Lord has made us to be. Three different worship expressions any given Sunday. Two different languages spoken from this pulpit. Spanish and something that looks like English. <laughs> Five other languages spoken in, in smaller venues. People of different backgrounds, ethnicities, social classes, worshiping one God under one roof. That's who the Lord has made us to be, by the grace of God. How about if I tell you that we have much, much, actually we have something that not even the Church of Antioch had. Five different generations in the same building. Five. Here in this church, we have the experience and the wisdom of the boomers. We have the faithfulness, the intelligence, the charisma, and the good looks of the Xers. <laughs> I hope you know why I spend a little bit more time on that one. The passion and the innovation of the millennials and the creativity and flexibility of the Zs and the headaches that all those generations give. <laughs> don't you think that we are a unique church? I don't think that we are a better church. I really don't. But we are a unique church. We are a church for the nations. Let me tell you something else about the church of Antioch. It was a sending church. Look at what happens in chapter 13, verse 2. The Holy Spirit said to them, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And in verse 3, it says that they fasted and they prayed, laid hands, and they sent them off. That church, the church of Antioch, right from its birth, became a sending church. I don't think that I need to convince anybody here that that's one of our uniqueness things. It's one of the things that the Lord has called us to be. By the grace of God, since the birth of our church, 94 years ago, we sent six people right at the beginning of the, or the birth of our church. Since then, by God's grace, we have been able to support 90 plus missionaries around the world. And by God's grace, we have been able to support uh, at least one-fourth of our missionaries are indigenous leaders in places where the gospel is not there yet. I don't think that I need to convince anybody that we're, we're not a better church than any other churches, but we are a unique church. We have been ascending church. Amen? I'll tell you one more thing about the church of Antioch that I think that we've got to pay attention to. In the midst of persecution, in the midst of suffering, and in the midst of struggle... They remain faithful and fruitful to the Lord. How do I know that? 
Look at what happens in chapter 11, verse 23. Jerusalem sends Barnabas to Antioch. When he gets there, the text says that he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with a steadfast purpose. And apparently they did. Why? Because verse 24 says that a great many people were added to the Lord. That's how the church grows, by the way. You remain faithful. And the Lord continues to add to his church. I, I think that we could say the same thing about our church. By the grace of God, 94 years walking in faithful, faithfulness to the Lord. Eight different senior pastors, a number of elders, and congregants that remain faithful to the Lord. Listen, we're not a perfect church. We made a ton of mistakes. In a number of occasions, we had to apologize. But we have never walked away from the Lord. And never walked away from the Bible. I don't think that we are a better church. But we are a unique church. We want to be a church that is faithful and fruitful to the Lord. Amen? One more thing to say about the church of Antioch. Super intentional about being disciple, disciple makers. So the church of Antioch is growing. And Barnabas knows that the only way for him to edify Christians and to equip Christians and to make Christians disciples is to make of them stronger Christians. How does that happen? By being Bible Christians. Look at what happened in chapter 11, verse 25. The church is growing, and then Barnabas went to get Tarsus, uh, went to Tarsus to get to look for Saul. He brought him to the church, and for a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. You know why that test is so significant? Because Christians are learners. You only grow when you understand the Bible. Adopt the Bible, are modified by the Bible, apply the Bible, and live the Bible. The only, a person, the only way a person becomes a disciple is when we are Bible people. And by the grace of God, I don't know if you noticed this before, but our church is called Wheaton Bible Church. There's an intention, intentionality in our name. We don't want to be a church known for our, our pragmatic things and the things that we do that work. Actually, I could say that as a leader of the church, the first question that comes to me whenever people have an idea is, what does the Bible say about that? You know, this is interesting. This is an interesting note. So this is our history. We've always been faithful to the scriptures, preach to the scriptures, all of those things. But... When, when we were bringing the idea of preaching through the Gospel of Matthew, and it was going to take us two years, a number of people actually told us, oh, this is not, that's not a good idea. That's too long. People get bored. You need to preach relevant things, practical things. That's what people need. And as people are saying this, the only thing that comes to mind is something that Spurgeon once said. The Bible, or the Gospel, the story of redemption, is like a, is like a caged lion. It does not need to be defended. 
It just needs to be let out of its cage. That's exactly what we do. We open the Bible and let it mess you up. <laughs> That's why we have Bible studies. That's why we are a Bible people. The Bible is enough. The Bible is relevant. The Bible is at work. And the Bible is powerful. I don't think that we are a better church than other churches. But we are a Bible church. And we want to be a discipling church. And the only way we can continue to do that is by remaining with the Bible. One more thing that you should know about the church of Antioch. In Acts chapter 11, it says, it says that a prophet from Jerusalem came to Antioch and gave him a prophecy. And he said that a great famine was going to come um, to Judea. And I want you to see how this church responded to the needs of others. Because he paints the picture of a generous, a compassionate church. And compassionate church. Look at it uh, in chapter 11, verse 29. So once the disciples heard what the prophet had said, they determined that everyone according to their ability will send relief to the brothers living in Judea. According to their ability. They were moved by the necessity of others because they were compassionate people and gave radically. I have to say that that's also a description by the grace of God, who, has, who he has made us to be. I don't know how many of you guys remember this, but we give about $2.4 million every year to the global and local cause of Christ. Not because we have to, but because we want to. Isn't that the reason why we have Puente, created Puente in the first place? We always understood that we cannot be just a church for us. But that the Lord has placed us here so we could be light and salt and be committed to the flourishing of our community. How many of you guys have been here uh, for more than 15 years? Raise your hand. That's a minority of you guys. So this is brand new information for the rest of you. When the Lord placed in our hearts for us to move here, West Chicago, and to buy this building, uh, and to build this building, we had to raise a ton of money. And I want you to hear what God's people did in eight years. God's people, beyond what they were already given to the church. In eight years, the Church of Jesus Christ, Whitman Bible Church, raised $29 million in eight years. When we got to this location, we came in with, uh, with a debt of $22 million. And in the last 15 years, the Lord has allowed us to retire 70% of that. No one can say that we are not a generous church. No one can say that the grace of God has made us a generous church. Listen up. I am not boasting about our church. I'm reporting what the grace of God does. That's a different thing. The Lord has made of you and I a generous and compassionate church. Now, by now, some of you may be annoyed by the amount of times I have used the phrase, the grace of God. 
10 times at least in 15 minutes. Why do I say that? Well, that will be another similarity between the Church of Antioch and Witten Bible Church. In chapter 11, verse 23, when Barnabas arrives to Antioch, what is it that he, that he saw? How amazing, beautiful the building was. What an amazing thing people do. That's not what he saw. He saw the grace of God at work, and he was glad. If you're new to the church, I don't want you to be impressed by the building, by the good-looking pastor, <laughs> by the amazing worship. I want you to be transformed because the grace of God is in this place. Amen. Yeah, give him glory. Why say all of that? We are who we are, man, because of the grace of God. Amen. We have been who we have been because of the grace of God. We have not worked for anything we are. We have not earned anything we are. It has always been and would always be the mercy of God. That's why this church is good. See, I'm looking at Church of Acts, and I'm thinking, man, that's a dream church. That's a dream church. And within seconds, the Lord says to me, you have the dream church. You are part of the dream church. We're not a better church than other churches, but we are a unique church. I think that Antioch and us have had the same values. Now you get permission to grab your little booklet. I want you to see, you may flip the page, that both churches were committed to the great commandment and the great commission. There's no brainer. This is what it means to be a church, to be people committed to the great commandment and the great commission. All we want from this church is that you love the Lord with all your mind, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and that you love your neighbor as yourself. Why? So we can participate in what the Lord is doing as making disciples of all the nations. Amen. As I think about the church of Antioch and I think about our church, I realize that we have also something in common. You may flip the page. That we are both people that are committed to love God, love one another, love your neighbors, and love the nations. You know, when I brought this to the church, people were like, wow, no, that's in the Bible. That's what it means to be the church. You know what I think the church of Antioch and the Bible church has in common? You may flip the page again. We have been committed to serve God's purposes in our own generation. We want our life to count. We're not here just for us. We are here for the glory of God and the purposes of God. What I want for you and what I want for me you may flip the page again. Is that we are a church that is both faithful and fruitful. Faithful to the Lord 
and fruitful as make disciples that make disciples. Actually, let me give you an illustration. I want us to be a church, flip the page, that is willing to paint our own leaf. You know what that means? I got the, uh, the image from a story that Tolkien wrote. In which he describes this man that had this beautiful picture of a perfect tree. And he wants to paint this tree, but he doesn't know how. So he starts with a little leaf. And he spends times and hours painting that little leaf. And he passes away. He never got to paint the tree. And as he, as he goes to heaven, from the distance, he sees this beautiful tree. So he runs to the tree and realizes that the leaf that he had painted was there. And then this man realizes this thing, that his job was never to paint the tree. That was God's business. His job was to paint his leaf. And I want this church to paint our leaf. And to contribute to the tree that the Lord is putting together. And because of that, there's one more thing that I got to tell you about the church of Antioch. And it's, a church, it's something that we also have in our hearts already, and I'll show you why I say that. But that we need maybe, just maybe, be intentional about. The church of Antioch was a church for the church in general. You know where I get that from? From verse 29. So the church of Antioch hears about this famine and the things that are going to happen. And the disciples then decided to collect an offering and send an offering. But look who they're sending this offering to. The brothers living in Judea. You know why that verse is so important to me? Because the church of Antioch was not just a church for the nations... Loving and welcoming all kinds of people. Was not just a sending, faithful, fruitful, discipling, generous, and compassionate church. But one of their features, one of the things they had is that they were intentional about being a church for the church. A church that will use the resources they had, the experience they had, the gifts they had. Not just for the well-being of their own church, but for the well-being of other churches. So this is what I'm asking the Lord. Is this what you are calling us to become? And I'm going to give you three reasons why I think that that may be something that the Lord is calling us to become. Three reasons. Reason number one is a biblical reason. Luke chapter 12 says that to whom much has been given, much will be required. And the Bible says that if he has given you a lot, is for you to share with those who don't have it. And as I look around our church and I'm thinking, we have so much. We have so much that the Lord has given us. Overabundance of gifts and resources and experience and talents. I'm asking the Lord, are you, Lord, calling us to become a church for the church? That we look around to the churches that are struggling and we do something about that. The second reason why I think the Lord is calling us to this 
is because of a personal reason. I've shared this with you before, but I am the product of somebody else's generosity. I'm the product of a couple of missionaries that opened the doors for me to live with them when I was a baby. I have theological education because of the generosity of people here in the church. I am who I am because of the generosity of others. And not only that's a personal thing for me as an individual, but as a person that came from Iglesia del Pueblo, a Latino congregation that has been here for 37 years, a church that for years and years we could not sustain our own pastors and our own ministries. And today, Iglesia del Pueblo, and on this one I'm completely bragging is influencing not only Latinos in the United States, but all over Latin America. You know why Iglesia de Pueblo became like that? Because of the generosity of Witten Bible Church. There are no other churches that have what we have here. All because of the grace of God. There's a biblical reason there's a personal reason, and there's a missional reason. And I want to give you two numbers here for you to keep in mind. I don't think that we've been persecuted in the United States, even though people use the word persecuted very, very loosely. I'm not even sure if we're going to be like the first century church in which, you know, we have to die for Jesus. I'm praying that we don't. But I think that we would all agree that we're not the favorite people in the world right now. And I think that we would all say that we're losing popularity. So and so much, listen up to this number, that in the last 20 years, 40 million people have walked away from the church. In 20 years, 40 million people. Every year, 3,500 churches open. And every year, 4,500 churches close. I'm not into math, but I think we're losing. If that is the condition of our country, if that is what happened in our society, and if the church is the agent of restoration and reconciliation, if the church is the place in which the Lord equips people, disciples people, and sends people, don't you think that as a church, we may have to stop and think what's going to be our role to help broken, needy churches? Don't you think that we have to stop and ask the Lord if he's calling us to support in places where God is already at work or get into places where God needs to be at work. I don't want us to be just a church for us. I don't want us to be just a church for our community. I don't want us just to be a church for the nation. I want us to continue to do all of that. But there is a reason why we are such a large church. And he has placed us where we are. It's one side note that I don't know what to make of it, but it's important to me. 
the third largest city in the Greco-Roman world was Antioch. You know what's the third largest city in the United States? Chicago. And I don't know if you noticed, we live in Chicago. <laughs> so this is my commitment to you as a pastor. This is the commitment of the elders and the leaders and pastors and ministers of the church. You may flip the page. We're going to continue to edify the church as much as we can. We're going to give you what you need for you to grow in your Christianity, to look like Jesus, live like Jesus, think like Jesus, and even if possible, smell like Jesus. You may flip the page again. Again, we're going to continue to be committed to equipping uh, you so you not only become survivors in this, in this environment, but you are proactive, making a difference in this world. But now I'm asking the Lord of making of us a church for the church. So you may flip the page again. I'm asking the Lord to give us a picture of what it means for us to expand. I'm asking the Lord to help us. You may flip the page again in which we are intentional about supporting and sending to local churches. That we train, we help, we give support, we pray, we come along other churches. I'm asking the Lord to allow us, you may flip the page again, to continue to support and send globally and locally. Maybe, just maybe, we get the chance to even expand in those areas. Let me give you some numbers really quick. It takes us about, it takes us about $6,000 six um, $6, for us to support an indigenous leader around the world. $6,000. That's what you spend on your vacation. Can you imagine what we could do if we get extra $6,000? It costs us about $12,000, $12 to $20,000 for us to send another missionary into another part of the world. Can you imagine what we could do if we would get more money to be able to do that? You may flip the page again. All I want for you and for me is that we serve our own generation. We serve God's purposes in our own generation. We have a history. I'm asking the Lord to dictate and show us what he wants us to be in the future. All I want for you and I want for me, and you may flip the page again, is that at the end of your days and at the end of my days, we hear the same words from the Lord. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful. Come and share your master's happiness. That's the only thing that matters. How are we going to start moving in that direction? You may flip the page again. Seven million. That's our debt. Seven million dollars. I'm asking the Lord to help us get rid of those seven million dollars. I'm asking you to contribute so we get rid of that seven million dollars. Because maybe, just maybe, the Lord is calling us to be a church for the church. If that goes away, flip the page again, that will free up about $700,000 per year. How many missionaries can we support? How many missionaries can we send? How many people we can help in the community? How many churches we can actually serve? In how many places we can actually be in or penetrate so this is what i want from you 
Leave the page again. Pray and give. Give according to your abilities. Give sacrificially. Trust that the Lord is going to use you. Every dollar counts. Every dollar makes a difference into not only who the Lord has already made us to be, but he's calling us to become. All I'm asking you to do, leave the page again, is to paint your own leaf. Do what you can with what the Lord has given you. Paint your own leaf. What happens if we don't make it, someone says? Nothing happens. The Lord always provides. And he will accomplish his purposes for this church. Let's pray. Beautiful Savior, we are grateful that you have called us to be the church that we are. Lord, now we ask that you help us become the church that you want us to become. Lord, give us the ability and the discernment for the next two weeks to see how much we could give according to our abilities. So on October 1st, two weeks from now, you provide what this church needs or at least what we desire to accomplish. We are trusting you. We want to be obedient to what we understand you're calling us to do and become. We are trusting that you will accomplish your purposes. But as a pastor of Wheaton Bible Church, I pray that you make of us a church for the church. That you continue to work in us so we continue to be everything that you made us to be. But that we could use everything we are to be a church for the church. Could you please make it happen? And we pray for all this in the name of